Today's shir begins eight lines from the top. At the end of our previous shiur, the Gemara mentioned that the children of the poor are ones from whom one could expect Torah knowledge to emanate. In other words, the children of the poor, being that they are of a humble spirit, and hence would not be arrogant with regard to others, are likely candidates to be successful in their pursuit of Torah knowledge. Picking up from that theme, we have another comment in the same vein. The Gemara begins, An interesting phenomenon. Why is it that it's not common for Torah scholars to have children that themselves are Torah scholars. The Gemara, as you can see in the markings, features a triangle shape, a series marking. And on the side of the Gemara, under our Nosei Mivne heading, the Nosei is the topic heading Mivne, the structural note, you see a triangle, and it, it indicates Ta'amim, a series of reasons Lahazbir to explain So, we are now about to see answers to this interesting question. Omar Rav Yosef, Shalom Yomru, Toiro Yerusha Hi Lohem. So that the general public won't say, won't come to the conclusion that the Torah is an inheritance. That if your father was learned, then you have a chance of becoming learned. Otherwise, no chance. We look in the Ran. Yerusha hi lohem, lo yumadu Torah. Others, the masses, won't learn Torah. Me'ach Hashem somchin, because they are figuring, they're relying on on an, on an erroneous principle. Yerusha hi lohem, that he who became Torah proficient inherited that from his forebears. So, with that in mind, the Almighty has arranged it that people who are themselves Torah scholars won't often find their children being thus as well. The Gemara continues, Rav Sheshes Brei de Ravidi, other Gersos, other versions have Rav Shisha Brei de Ravidi, Omer Kedei Shelo Yisgadru Al Hatsibor. Rashi says, Shelo Yisgadru, Shelo Yisgadlu, so that they should not be arrogant over the public. Shelo Yinagu Sroro Kishiyiru Shehem Vavoysa Muvneim Tamidichachomim. People will uh, find themselves uh, behaving arrogantly when their fathers were Torah scholars, where their they themselves are Torah scholars, where their children are Torah scholars. It becomes a type of um, exclusive club of individuals, and with that, people tend to behave arrogantly. So that as so to avoid that, we have this phenomenon that. It's not common for Tamidi Chachamim to produce children that are themselves Tamidi Chachamim. Marzutra Omer, Nishain Misgabrin, or another gear says Misgabrin Al Hatzibor. Here, there's a slight difference between what Rav Shisha Braid Rav Edi said and Marzutra, and you can see this in Rashi, that Nishain Misgabrin Devadai. It's with certainty in Rav Marzutra's opinion. That call me Shutam Chokhmu, no Tam Chokhm Vadaim is Gaber. 
not just a matter of, we'll say, fear or a raised possibility, but rather with certainty, those who are themselves Torah scholars and their children are thusly, they will be arrogant. The Gemara continues, Rav Ashi Omer Dekoru Le'inshi Chamri. Rashi says, Dekoru Le'inshi Chamri, She'einu agim lo'hen kovodu mevazenosan. Mepnei Torah Shebahem. As a type of, we'll say, <coughs> seeming punishment, uh, there are Torah scholars, because of their Torah scholarship, they tend to look down and behave in a dismissive fashion regarding others because of the Torah that's within them. It's a, it's a somewhat unfortunate situation that, what, like in the case of alcohol, some people don't know to ho- how to hold their alcohol, some people don't know to how, to, how to hold their Torah. When Torah is supposed to uh, improve one's behavior, there seems to be another uh, force, a Yetzirah, an evil inclination that drives people to do to behave this way. The Gemara in Sukkot says, Kol HaGodol Mechavero, he who is greater than his fellow in Torah scholarship, Yitzro Godol Menu, his evil inclination is also um, greater. So as a result of embarrassing or belittling others, they therefore do not merit having their own children be Talmidei Chachamim. Ravina Omer She'ein Mevorchin B'Torot Chila as a result of their, their familiarity and their, their um, common, commonness with Torah, that they're always engaged in Torah study, they forget, so to speak, they don't take seriously the requirement of saying the brachos, the benedictions, that one is required to say before Torah study. The birchas um, Torah have within them the prayer that they and their children and their grandchildren, their descendants, should all be Torah scholars. So if you're not saying the bracha, so then you're not going to merit that which the bracha uh, affords, namely having children that are also scholars. The Gemara continues, the Omer of Yehuda Marav, and this is a long point, and you can see we've marked it off thusly. My Dichtiv, we want to understand the Posuk in, in Yirmiyo that says, Mio Yishechachom Viovein Ezois. There's a fuller quote of the Posuk that we have included uh, on the side. This was by Yirmiyo Perak Tes Posuk Yud Aleph, followed by Posuk Yud Beis that we've written on the side, which says, uh, reading the entire psukim, who is the man of wisdom and can understand this? The question that uh, people will people ask is: uh, For what reason was the land, the land of Israel, destroyed, becoming like a desert without any passers by? Hashem answers, it's as a result of their abandoning my Torah that I gave them and not heeding my words nor following its teachings. We've read the Pesukim and now we look at the Gemara's analysis. The Pesuk 
quote that we read so far was this question, the question of what was responsible for the land of Israel being destroyed this matter was presented to the prophets to the wise men and they did not explain it the Ran says, "Dovor ze nishal hachacham v'lo pishu b'nichtiv ayomer Hashem al ozem es tarosi mechlal the leka the yada laduri taima elokut shabricha." The fact that the pasuk went on to say in pasuk yudbeis that God answered the question, it seems that no one else was able to answer the question except for Him, for the Almighty Himself. Motzasim yostarim shalabiyeno dekrochidayek da'ashelo bercha b'torat chilo of the haretz. Uh, the Rabbeinu Yonah in a private writing uh, explains that it was concluded that the land was destroyed because of their not making the Birchus Torah, which the Gemara will go on to say the Im Al-Ozumist if you were to think to read the Pesach and accept it at face value because they abandoned Torah learning while Mashma Shosu Torah it would, it would appear that they stopped learning Torah altogether. Well then, if that were the case, <coughs> when the question was posed to the wise men and to the prophets, why couldn't they explain that? If you're asking why was the land destroyed, because people abandoned Torah study. That's an, uh, it's an obvious thing. It's easy to explain. Rather, in that generation... There was constant Torah study. And as a result of that, the, the, the wise men and the prophets were amazed. How could it be? At a society full of Torah study, and yet the Almighty destroyed the land? So, And this is what the Rabbeinu Yonah explains. What does it mean that they didn't say a brach on the Torah beforehand? Yes, it was a society of people who were learning and studying Torah, but not that the Torah was very was was sufficiently important to them. Something that is significant, so it's fit to have a benediction recited beforehand. They weren't engaged in Torah study for its own sake, for the sake of fulfilling the will of Hashem. They were involved in Torah study for other reasons that were motivated by by uh, by non-altruistic causes. And and therefore they took the bracha very lightly. They didn't follow the Torah with, uh, we'll say, a proper lofty intention. The Rabbeinu Nisim, the Ran, says that up till now, this has been the explanation offered by the very pious Rabbeinu Yonah. The, the, this explanation is, is fit and, and proper coming from a man like the pious Rabbeinu Yonah. In other words, the explanation of abandonment of Torah in terms of lack of proper intent, kavona, is something that someone who himself is capable, is a practitioner of that, would readily understand.
Now we go back to the Gemara and uh, see the points that some of the points that we saw in the run. We'll go back and see it at their source. So the um, Gemara had told us that when the question of why was the land destroyed was presented to the Chacham and Vim, and they couldn't explain it until the Almighty explained it, as the Pesach says, Vayomer Hashem al es Torosi, and it goes on to say, Velo Shamu B'Kayli Velo Hol So the Gemara asks, is there not redundancy in this Pesach? Hainu Lo Shamu B'Kayli, Hainu Lo Hol There, to say that they didn't listen, they didn't heed the words of Hashem, they didn't listen to His his voice, and they didn't walk in his ways, are, not, are they not essentially the same thing? Loimar, the, we'll say the extra expression in the Pesach comes to tell me, not only did they not follow his ways, but also they didn't say a bracha before the study of Torah. And we, just to remind ourselves, we explain uh, what Rashi pointed out, that that is also an explanation as to why uh, the children of Tamid Chomim don't turn out themselves to be Tamid Chomim. Because in the text of the bracha it says, uh, We and our, and our descendants should be uh, Torah uh, scholars. And if you don't say that, if you don't say that in the bracha, if you don't ask for it as the bracha text indicates, so don't expect to receive it. We have a long marking, a, we call this a Meisen incident. Isi bar Yehuda lo Isi did not appear in the yeshiva, in the Torah study center of Rabiosi. Three days. Ashkechei Vardimus Rabiosi. Vardimus is the name of Rabiosi's son. Vardimus met Isi bar Yehuda. Why haven't you come to my father's uh, uh, base medrash for three days? So, so Isi explains, Because your father's teachings, I don't understand. How are they to be? How are they to be explained? So Vardima says, My you tell me something that my father said, Dilma Yodana Taime, maybe I can offer you an explanation. Omale, so EC answers, Ha Desanya. We have the following teaching. This is a source that we saw at the quoted from Pei Omid Base. We have a little arrow <coughs> to the side of the Gemara text. You can align this with an arrow back on Pei Omid Base, and you'll see where this is a quote from. Rabiosi Omer, Rabiosi said, Kvisosan Kaidman Lechaya Cherem. Rabbi Yossi, in the topic that we had dealt with in our previous year, it's a question of a limited water supply, and the local community from which the uh, water stream emanates has enough water for their drinking purposes, but if they were to share the water with a town downstream for their drinking purposes, so the original town won't have enough water for washing their clothes. Rabbi Yossi, <coughs> Um, presents a somewhat surprising ruling and he says the town for, that, um, from which the stream emanates their clothing washing preempts uh, the, the drinking needs of the community downstream what pasuk could possibly serve as a source for that teaching of Rabiosi 
Omarlay. So uh, Vardimus answers Dichtiv. And note, we have a long answer marking. He quotes a Pasuk, and the Pasuk deals with the cities that were given to the tribe of Levi. Even though the tribe of Levi did not receive uh, land apportionments like the rest of the tribes, they nevertheless received a number of cities, 48 cities in the land of Israel, with the surrounding area. The surrounding area is what is of interest to the Pesach now, and it says, uh, The Migrushem of the surrounding areas of these cities will be for their animals, for their possessions, and for all their life's needs. My Chayosam, the Pesach says, chayosam, What does that mean? If you were to take it to mean it to to mean that the surrounding areas of the Levite cities will be for their chayas. The chayas are undomesticated kosher variety animals. Let's say for their deer. Well, I don't need the pasuk to say that. Vahalo chaya bechlal behemohi. It's a it's a known fact that in terms of uh, references to animals in psukim, that when the when the pasuk makes reference to behemoth, that includes within it chaya. Generally speaking, behemoth is, is translated as domesticated kosher variety animals, unless otherwise stated. However, if the Bosak uses the word behemton, it can very well, as is the case here, include chayas. So, the term behemton already appears. So what does chayosam mean? Elamai chayosam, chayosam amish. So what do you want to say? It means for their, for their own personal personal. Um, uh, life needs? Well, pshita, that's obvious. The It's obvious that the surrounding areas of these Levite cities uh, would be uh, f- to serve their essential life needs. Elolav, kvisa. Rather, it's the Pesach must be revealing something beyond that which is obvious. So, it's referring to uh, the the uh, need of washing clothing, and the pasuk uh, calls washing of clothing chayosam da ikat Without the washing of clothing, so you have the problem of the the, the pain of your buvisa, which was featured at the upper part of this omid, and and we mentioned at that point that uh, uh, clothing left unwashed, and, but yet worn lead to a person losing his mind. And the, uh, the loss of mind is, uh, is an essential element for life support that one has his own mind about him. And that's why Rabbi Yossi says that the kvisa, the, the, washing, the clothing washing needs of the local community from which the stream emanates, uh, preempts the drinking needs of the community downstream. Before we continue in the Gemara, we glance at the side. We have a, no say, a topic heading, which reads, Rechitza v'kishit Rabiosi, bathing and cosmetics. Uh, according to Rabiosi, enom inui nefesh. The, um, uh, the woman who, let us say, vows not to bathe, nor to adorn herself. According to Rabiosi, it's not a vow that one would categorize as inui nefesh, the type of vows that a husband can annul. Maush yofer mishum dvorem shebeno leveno. Can the husband nevertheless annul the vows on the grounds that they are called 
matters that affect the couple, that affect the husband upon her making the vow. And we have learned that that is another category of vow that a husband is entitled to annul. There is a difference, though, if we, we've learned earlier in the earlier in, in the Perak, that vows that are of an Inui Nefesh uh, characteristic, when, when the husband annuls the vow, they are annulled permanently, not only with regard to them as a couple, but with regard to her uh, um, contact with all other people as well. Um, uh, vows that are categorized as Beino Leveino, there's a, a different standard where if the husband annuls that kind of vow, so it's annulled with regard to his connection with the woman, with his wife, but if she were to become divorced or widowed, the uh, vow will, we'll say, resurface, and it's therefore not totally annulled in that sense. So, the Gemara. Omar of Yossi, Ein Elu Nidre Inui Nefesh. A quote from the Mishnah that Rechitza and Kishut are not, in the, are not categorized as Inui Nefesh. The Gemara asks, According to Rabbi can he annul the wife's vows if she vows not to bathe or not to adorn herself on the grounds that they that that is uh, something that would interfere with their uh, living with their domestic uh, existence? They're living together as a couple. Toshma, Omar, Rabiosi, Ein, Elu, Nidre, Inui, Nefesh. The Mishnah said that Kishut and Rechitza are not Inui, Nefesh. That leaves uh, ample room to infer Avol Dvorim Shebeino, Leveino, Havion. But they do fall into the category of Beino, Leveino. And the Ran explains if it were so, according to Rabiosi, that they are not even Beino Leveino, then the Mishnah should have said, uh, uh, should have read that Rabbi Yossi says, Lo Yofer, he cannot annul the vows. The fact that it was explained in the Mishnah by Rabbi Yossi saying that these are not Inui Nefesh, it leaves room to infer, but they are Beino Leveino. The Gemara continues with a, it rejects this, this proof and says, Maybe Rabiosi in the Mishnah wasn't a reflection of his own opinion, but he was addressing the Chachomim, the first opinion, and saying to them thusly, as far as my personal shita, my personal position is concerned, that even matters of a domestic nature, the, the uh, issue of uh, non-bathing and non-cosmetics, doesn't arise. According to you that go the other extreme and say that they are even inui nefesh, then odu li, you should at least concede to me, that what your position is too extreme. They're not inui nefesh. It's not uh, a function of something that will cause her uh, personal pain. So, at this point in the Gemara, we thought that we had an answer regarding uh, Rabiosi and uh, the categorization of 
Rechitza and Kishud as uh, yes being Beinola Veino. The Gemara though rejected that. So here we ask, my, what do we? How how should we rule? How should we conclude this question, this issue? The uh, Rashi at the bottom line says, my Klomar Akati mi The question remains: for Ilo. Does the husband have? At least according to Rabbi Yossi, does the husband have any jurisdiction over these vows or not? So, number one, Rav Adobarav Omer Mefer, Rav Huna Omer Ein Mefer, and he explains why the husband cannot Mefer, why, according to Rav Huna, uh, the, the uh, issue of Kishut and uh, Rechitza are not even Beino Leveina. Uh, we can offer a literal translation, but it's not very significant. Uh, Rav Huna says it's on the grounds that we've never found a fox dying as a result of the dirt in its own hole. For, uh, for our purposes, it means that the, this husband and wife are regular with one another. Uh, he can, he'll be able to conduct... Uh, Say intimate relations with her, uh, even if she doesn't uh, engage in the kishut. Amongst the different aspects of kishut, and you can see this in the Ran commentary, the kishut also involved, uh, we'll say, um, uh, combing or uh, tending to uh, hairs on a, on a woman's body, including the area of intimacy, and if they're not cared for, so it could lead to entanglement, and could conceivably cause uh, pain to uh, the uh, husband. Yet, Rav Huna feels, and in his explanation, he's saying that uh, don't worry about that when it comes to a husband and wife. When a person is regular, he knows how to conduct himself, and that those se'oros, those hairs, will not injure him. Tanyo Kavose Rav Ado Barava. We have a Tanaic source supporting. Rav Ado Bar Ava, note that this is a very long point, practically half, it's more than half the Omid of Gemara to develop the point. So we have a Tanaic source supporting Rav Ada who explained in the name of Rabbi Yossi that Kishut and, and, and Rechitza fall into the realm of Beino Leveno. We're going to have a long Tanaic source. As you can see, it's marked with a frame. There's a lot of other markings here. At, at the end of this Tanaic source, which has no name in it, but we're interested in assuming, or uh, at least uh, concluding, that it's Rabiosi. So the Gemara, after the Tanaic source, you can see, says, Man shaminon havyon. Who is it that categorizes these activities as Beinola Veina? Um, it can only be Rabiosi, the Gemara says, because according to the Rabbonon, <coughs> which are expressions of Kishud, would be Inui Nefesh. And yet in this source, it describes as Beinola Veina. It can't be the Rabbonon, it's therefore Rabiosi. And in this source, we will see that the husband is able to mefer, he's able to annul those vows. That is what Rav Ado Bar Ava had said. So now let's see the entire source. We have a structural note on the side. <coughs> Roman numerals will appear one through four. Arba Kusish on the door four different groups of vows. 
And uh, the double underline highlights maskonis im umosa yochol hafer. Each category of vowel has to we have to reach a conclusion regarding each category of vowel. Does it lend itself to husband and nomad? Does he have jurisdiction over it or not? The brisa dvorim sheish inui nefesh mefer. Those types of vows that a wife might take that would, that if uh, if upheld, would lead to her experiencing pain, deprivation, suffering. So the husband mefer is able to annul them. His annulment ha, uh, is effective not only between himself and her, meaning all uh, the time that she's married him, but it. The annulment is binding, is effective even if she is divorced from him or is widowed and she ends up marrying someone else. That, that vow that's categorized as Inui Nefesh will not have any effect. Shein Blam Inui Nefesh, those vows that are not Inui Nefesh, Beino Leveno Mefer, Beino Levein Afirim Eino Mefer. The annulment of a vow that's not Inui Nefesh, that doesn't result in her pain if upheld it, uh, the husband upon annulling it, he, it it's annulled as long as she's married to the husband but if she uh, is no longer married to the husband for whatever reason the vow resurfaces Ketzad. here the Gemara is asking regarding what is an example of Inui Nefesh and this you can see in Rashi across from Ketzad and here we go Omra Kainam Perosalai. Woman says she uh, uh, prohibits uh, fruits upon herself uh, with the, using the Konam expression, meaning for our purposes she she vows to abstain from fruits. Hare ze yofer. The husband can annul. And as we said before, the annulment will be effective not only while she's married to him, but even afterwards. A second category of vow. She vows not to uh, do things for um, her father. For your brother. For your father. For my brother. She vows not to uh, not to feed uh, animals with a tevin, with straw. And she vows not to serve uh, water to his uh, cattle. Ein yochol lohafer. Those kind of vows, they're not inui nefesh, and they're not beino leveino. So, he, uh, he, the husband, cannot annul them. V'shelo echol, a third category of vow. V'shelo echol v'shelo efkos. V'shelo shamish mitasi. She vows not to echol and efkos are different forms of cosmetics that a woman uh, would apply. Uh, she vows not to do that and not to engage in intimacy. Yofer mishum dvarim shebeinoi leveino. And here we've, in addition to the double underlining, we've also dashed underline because this is really uh, what is uh, what, what we need to see, what is what, uh, what we need our att- attention drawn to. Number four, fourth category. Shalom atzia lach mitoscha. She vows not to prepare his bedding. 
fish shalom emzoi glucha esakosin. She vows not to serve him uh, beverages, serve him wine. She vows not to wash her husband's face, arms, or legs. Those kind of vows ain't sorich lahafir. He doesn't even need to annul them. They don't get off the ground. These are uh, activities that a wife is obligated to uh, perform uh, to provide for her husband. Rabon Gamliel Omer Yafer Ramil disagrees and says that the husband should annul them. Shinemar Lo Yachel Devoroi. We the Pasik says that one shall not violate their vows, their one's own vows. The Tasha's commentary says that even though she is in fact duty bound <coughs> for providing these things, it needs on a rabbinic level it needs to be annulled so that she doesn't treat vows lightly and one who treats vows lightly eventually will come to violate actual vows that do take hold that are binding and then they'll be in violation of the Pasuk which says Lo Yachel thou shall not violate your words another approach to this Pasuk Lo Yachel Mikan Nidri Atzmo the Pasuk says you shall not annul your own words, your own vows. So from here, we learn that a Chacham, a Torah sage, who is licensed to uh, annul other people's vows, but his own vows, he cannot annul. And the, this uh, conclusion is a, as a result of the, the grammar found in the Pasuk of Lo Yachel Dvoro. You cannot undo your own words. Someone else would have to undo the Chacham's own vows. We have a little arrow to the immediate left-hand side of the Gemara text. You can see this is uh, a quote from above, where you see the corresponding arrow. Who is the Tana that would say that the uh, abstention from cosmetics is considered uh, in the realm of Beino Leveino? Rabiosi. And we pointed out before, it's according to the Rabbonon, Shelo Eskashet, it has to do with adornments and cosmetics, um, of, of which Echol and Efkois are subcategories, would that would be considered Inui Nefesh. But this Tanaic source, this nameless Tanaic source, categorizes Shelechol and Shelechkois as Beino Leveino. Who would say that? That's Rabiosi. And the source teaches that the husband is entitled to annul that, those kind of vows on the grounds of there being beino leveno, as Rav Ado Bar Ava had taught. Omar Mar. And here we have a quote from above. Again, we have a reference marking the little star that you see to the immediate right-hand side of the Gemara text. You can align it and you see where this comes from. On that line above it said, now, and when we read the source, we didn't explain, we translated, the woman had vowed not to engage in intimacy, and the source says he should annul that, or he has the right to annul it on the grounds of Beinola Veinah. 
on the side of our Gemara, we have an Osei topic heading, which introduces this section of Gemara. What is the actual language of her vow, the text of her vow that she uses in, uh, in, in regard to uh, non-intimacy? The Gemara continues. Heichi Domi. If you were to think that the the wife vowed that the pleasure that my intimacy provides to you should be forbidden, why is there any need for annulment? She is duty bound, that's a, a wife's obligation toward her husband to provide him with this particular act which uh, will uh, result in his enjoying it. She has no right to prevent him from that. Ella, so what must have been the text of her vow? Bimeris, she said, and note, this is a long answer, she says, Hanoas tashmishcho olai, rav kahana. She vows regarding herself, not to benefit from, not to have pleasure, or to abstain from the pleasure that intimacy with her husband would provide her. And this uh, is a binding vow based on Rav Kana's teaching of Rav Kana. A woman who tries to prevent her husband through a vow from benefiting from her intimacy. We force her to engage in intimacy. She has no right to prohibit her husband from benefiting from the intimacy. However, the woman who accepts on herself a restriction uh, to abstain from enjoying the intimacy, the husband is to annul that. Because otherwise, the husband will be engaging with her in intimacy and uh, and she will be in violation of a self-imposed restriction. It would be, in effect, feeding someone something that is prohibited to them. So that's Rav Kahana's explanation, uh, or based on Rav Kahana's explanation, we understand why a woman who vows not to benefit from the, not to benefit, not to enjoy the intimacy with her husband, in order to save her from uh, violating her vow, the husband is uh, to annul that neder. Man tano hodesanya. Who would the uh, who would be the author of the following nameless Tanaic source? What does it say? Dvoram hamutorim. Things that are allowed. Viachirim noagu bohen isur and. People, others have accepted upon themselves uh, restriction. You are not to be light with them, to uh, attempt to allow those things which would result in their violating that which they accepted on themselves. Let's take a look at the Rashi. Uh, actually, maybe before we look at the Rashi, 
the, there's a text edition that we have it written between the lines. Of course, you can see this is taken from the Bach. So, Moni, who is the author of that? Rabon Gamliel, he. This would be in accordance with Rabon Gamliel. De Sanyo, Rabon Gamliel Omer, Yofer. Uh, use your arrow that you see to the immediate right-hand side of the Gemara text. Align it with the arrow above, also to the right-hand side. And you see that uh, Rabon Gamliel's opinion regarding the, uh, the, the vow of... Um, not the making the bed and not the serving the, the the drink that the the husband should annul that anyway. So that uh, Rabbi Leo says that 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 needs to be annulled as opposed to the Tanakama that said the vow doesn't even get off the ground. So now we take a look at the Rashi commentary. The Yomaliel, Yafer law, uh, above, Rabbi Gamliel had ruled regarding the vow not to serve the beverage, not to make the beds, etc., that the husband should annul that. Since she um, accepted upon herself uh, a restriction from those activities, and she thinks may be erroneous, but she thinks that it's forbidden for her to make the bed and to serve the drink. The husband, according to Abraham Leo, has no right to allow life to continue on as if nothing happened without his annulling that vow. So this, the concept that you see in this source of things that are essentially mutter, they're not really uh, they're not prohibited, but but people accept it on themselves. Restriction uh, th- that you have no right to treat them lightly, and hence the need in our case for annulment. Uh, we continue in the Gemara. Mishum shenema lo yachel devoro, dovor acher lo yachel devoro mikanatam chacham she'ein mefer nidre atzmo. Uh, this, of course, is all a continuation of the uh, source that we saw above uh, with uh, the uh, different categories of vows uh, following Rabbi Gamliel's teaching of the need for the annulment of a vow that you would have thought doesn't even get started. As you can see, the slash mark indicates that that which follows is a new trend of thought, we introduce the Gemara with a no say mivne heading. As you look in the actual text, you can see we've uh, used a number of triangles that appear in alternating directions. This is a ma'akav, as we've written on the side, with the triangle point facing upwards. They represent she'ela, or dechia, a, a question or a rejection of a tshuva, of an answer. You'll see the inverted triangle indicates a response. So what we're trying to do with this marking is indicate the uh, give and take nature of the discussion. Uh, we continue on the side reading, She'elas Rava, Rava raises a question, Tashmish Hamita, intimacy, Lefiha Rabbonon, according to the Rabbonon, and this is uh, the Rabbonon as opposed to Rabbiosi, 
um, who we saw featured before, the, we want to know according to the Rabbonon, Hayimza begeder inui nefesh, oidvarim shebeinoi levenah. Under which category of vows does Tashmish Hamita appear? The Gemara. Bo'amine Ravim Rav Nachman. Tashmish Hamita the Rabbonon. Inui nefeshu oidvarim shebeinoi levenah. So Rav Nachman responds, says, based on the following Tanaic source, a Mishnah later on in our parak, you should be able to reach an answer. And you'll notice that this is a long answer. So what does he say? The uh, Mishnah later on says, Unatula ani min A woman who vows using that expression. Um, you see in the Rashi, Omeres Netuah Min Yehudim Moderes Ani Mehem Mitashmish Shaloyene Shum Yehudi Mimeno. She vows uh, that no Jew shall enjoy, shall benefit from her intimacy. So essentially, she's she's uh, vowing uh, to uh, prohibit anyone from having intimacy with her. And we're dealing with a married woman. The Gemara continues at the top of Daf Pei Beis, Yofer Chelkoi, so the Mishnah says that the husband is to annul his own portion, so to speak, uh, in that vow, and with the annulment he can have intimacy with her, she'll be permitted to him. And she'll remain prohibited in, in the uh, event that she gets divorced, she'll be prohibited to uh, anyone else. If you were to think that Tashmashamita, which is reflected in this expression of Netula Minayudim, is in the category of Inui Nefesh, why does the Mishnah indicate? That upon a divorce, she'll be prohibited to everyone else. Did is it not so that uh, that one who uh, annuls an inui nefesh type vow, the annulment is applicable, is binding, is effective, even with regard to others? So, from studying our Mishnah, the Mishnah later on, we see that Tashmish is in the realm of Beino Leveno. The Gemara rejects this, uh, and, and it, answer, it says, L'Rabbonon Tiboyoloch Mishum Dinatulo Ani Minayudim Rabbi Yossi Kotani The question that we asked was, was very focused. It was a question according to the Rabbonon. And citing this Mishnah of Netula Animina Yudim does not help us in concluding the question. Why? Because the uh, the Mishnah that uh, in which this is featured, Netula Aminayudim, this is a Mishnah that's taught by Rav Yosi, the Amar Ravuna, Kule Pirkin Rav Yosihi. Rav Huna informs us that this entire parak is the teaching of Rav Yosi, Mimai. How does Ravuna know that? 
Kevon Dekotani, it says in the Mishnah that you'll find at the uh, top of Ayin Tesomit Beis, it says there, Rabbi Yossi Oimer Ein Elu Nidre Inui Nefesh. As you continue reading in the Mishnah, Lomale Sulemis. Now, why? As you continue reading in the Mishnah, is there any need for the following to be said? Hareze, Yofer Divre Rabbi Yossi. It, it, the Mishnah goes on to say uh, that the husband shall annul the vows. This is Rabbi Yossi's teaching. But we knew it, it was Rabbi Yossi. We knew Rabbi Yossi was the speaker from the fact that he had appeared earlier in the Mishnah. It was one continuous uh, teaching of Rabbi Yossi. Is it not redundant for the Mishnah to say again, Divrei Rabbi Yossi? So from this seemingly extraneous expression, Shmamino Mikanvielech Rabbiosihi, that from this point on in the Perak, including the mission of Natula Animina Yehudin, this is all Rabbiosi's teaching. And hence our question, question raised more at the bottom of Pealatham Base, uh, what is the Sheeta of the Rabbonon regarding Tashish Amita? That remains unresolved. With that, we conclude our Shior for today.